Welcome to Word Processing, a resource of Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Listen in as we discuss issues of God, His Word, and His people. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Word Processing. My name is Josiah and I serve as one of the pastors here at Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. And I'm joined today by my wife, Patricia. Say hello, Patricia. Hello. Hello. Today we are going to talk about the sermon that we just sat under this past weekend, this past Lord's Day, uh, and talk about the application for that sermon. Oftentimes on a Sunday morning, there is a sense in which we unpack a passage of scripture and we want to apply it to our lives. But, you know, in half an hour, 40 minutes, you can only do so much of that. And so the goal of this podcast has always been to seek to be doers of the word and not just hearers and kind of work out some of that application. And this past week, we were in 1 John chapter 4 and unpacking the command that God gives to us through John to love one another in the body of Christ. And John gave a number of reasons why we should do that. But really, we want to talk today, practically speaking, about how we can love people in the church and in particular, sometimes people that are not so lovely. And so, Patricia, I want to start here. Why do we sometimes find it difficult to love people? You would think that God telling his people love one another should be a welcomed command. We should all jump up and down and say, yeah, obviously, let's love one another. But in reality, it's hard. So what stops us from just doing the normal good work of loving one another? Well, the first thing that came to our mind is that we are self-focused. We are always looking in our minds, in our hearts, what we are worried about, what we need, what we want. Um, And so we don't see other people's needs. Uh, We don't see how other people are also um, hurting or in need of love. Uh, We're only thinking about what should be done to us or for us, right? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Another thing that I uh, thought of was that we don't make time for it. Like our lives are just too full. Um, Our minds are too full of good things not always not necessarily bad things but just too full to make time to reach out to others to even see people um hear them out pray for them spend time with them there's just no no margin in our lives for that um we make excuses sometimes or many times um for example i'm busy right now just wait a few years while this settles down i hear sometimes i'll do it when I'm retired or now I'm retired, now I'm tired. Like it's, it's both things. We, we will find a way to make excuses. Um, or I'm in a difficult time as, as you know, in the parenting, young parenting. Um, I remember that, that a big one is like, um, this is my time to like be blessed by others because this is hard. This is new. And it's true, but, um, everyone is, is needy in all stages of life. Another one, is that we forget how people have blessed us. We forget how how meaningful that has been in our lives when God uh, shows his love through people. And we forget that we can be that for others, that we can really encourage them and just remind them of God's love. And uh, finally, I thought that we forget what God ha- how God has been gracious toward us. And I'm, I'm with this one, I'm thinking of um, the times that we are hardened toward people or um, don't feel any grace toward them. We forget that God has been gracious toward us. So yeah, those are some reasons I thought. What do you think about our definition of love? 
like sometimes I wonder if we don't love one another well in the church because we have we have taken a cultural understanding of what love is and kind of brought it into the walls of the church. And so we can easily say, and this works in both directions, yes, I've loved them because I have an affection for them. Yes, I have loved the body of Christ because there is a fondness in my heart. And I actually kind of sometimes, depending on the weekend, look forward to being there on Sunday. So I love them, right? I don't talk badly about them, so I love them. So we have this very tepid view of love. This love is just an affection uh, rather than what the Bible describes it as, which we saw on Sunday in 1 John 4 as this self-sacrificing, initiating, uh, need-meeting, others-focused love. Like it's an action that we do something. We serve one another. That is what love is. And when if we don't understand love that way, then it's easy to not do it. Like that, that's far more involved than the former example, don't you think? Mm-hmm. It's either easier to get away with, I have that emotion. Yeah. I think the, our, our worldly definition of love is like fun and, you know, date type things and just like all the cheery things. But when I think of the biblical view of um, love is the word that came to our mind is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like you sacrifice your preference for that day to look at someone else, right? To um, to show up when you don't want to or to say something when you don't want to or to not say something when you want to, right? Like oh, just thinking of what other people need um, on a given day, which is often not, um, what's that word? Um, flashy, right? It's, um, it's often just <laughs> very basic mundane things that, um, that spur other people on, right? Mm-hmm. One or two, especially as you listed some of the things that came to your mind that if we boiled it down, ultimately we don't love one another, well, ultimately because of sin, but we don't love one another sometimes because it's just not important to us. You talked about prioritizing, how we don't leave time in the margins, and really that comes down to it's just not important. It's not important enough. I think many Christians say, no, it's important. It's just it gets to the back of the line because these other things in the queue are more important. And when passages like 1 John 4 come along and multiple times says, love one another, love one another. In fact, 1 John as a whole, love one another, love one another. In fact, all of John's writings in the New Testament talks about loving one another. They will know you belong to me by how you love one another. Pretty important in the New Testament. And pretty important to God. And we talked on Sunday about this is an essential mark of the body of Christ. So it should be very important. But ultimately, I think in real time, it's not that important to us, right? Ultimately, if it was, we would make time for it. And there's many things that we say are important to us, but our life bears out that they might be, but not as important as we might be saying that they are. Sometimes I I think we just need to be very honest with ourselves and say, what is important to God in this instance is not as important to us, at least to the level it should be. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about now loving people that are hard to love. Because ultimately, even if it's not a high, high priority, very few Christians, I know at least, would say, I don't want, I'm uninterested in loving the body of Christ. I'm uninterested in loving my brothers and sisters. Most people want to, you know, even if it doesn't, especially if it doesn't cost them much. I want to love people. But where rubber meets the road is that some people are hard to love because they've hurt us, because they've talked behind our backs, because they've snubbed us, because we have a theological difference with them. Whatever the case may be, there's lots of reasons. So I guess what I want to talk about now is how to how can we love people 
who are unlovely. <laughs> so this um I I acknowledge that this is hard for me. Like I can be very warm until you get on my bad side. <laughs> and you would know being my husband, right? You get on my bad side and um it's very hard for me to like to love and um so what I have found helpful in the past is to to pray for those people that um that I find unlovely. And um I've seen how God can change my heart toward them as I pray for them. And I ask the Lord to show me how I am seeing them wrong, right? To show me how um I can be gracious to them. How I am being unfair or often God will show me how I can be unlovely and I can put everything in perspective. And that can be the start of then showing a more, not, well, praying is an active love, but then reaching out to them. Because it takes humility to love people that, love people in general, but especially love people that, that you find unlovely. It takes humility. And we need God's help, extra help to, um, to do that. And uh, so, yeah, I find that it often starts with prayer. I think there's a reason why God through John gave us extra reasons to love people because it is hard like you're saying right now people wrong us and our knee-jerk reaction is not to lavish love upon them that's not our knee-jerk reaction and as we talked about on Sunday God saying love one another should be enough because he's God and we're not but it's not because there's human messiness sin gets in and so God in the passage we looked at on Sunday comes along and gives five extra motivations to love people and i think they can help to love people that are lovely you know they there's nothing wrong with having more motivation to love the people that are easy but i think and your response highlights this it really is the most hard when people don't quote unquote deserve it that's the most hard thing and so just look at these five reasons quickly that john gave us on sunday or the holy spirit through john he said when we love one another it's a way that we get to show off our relationship with god that we belong to God, uh, that we are maturing in Christ, that we're abiding in him and him in us. So when we step out and we love people that have harmed us or that have disappointed us, that is a, a demonstration of godly maturity uh, that we would not have otherwise. If we never had conflict, we would actually have less opportunity to show our maturity in Christ. So loving one another sometimes, loving one another that are easy, that can show we belong to God. Mm -hmm. But loving one another when it's hard, that really shows a maturity in God. And not everyone can do that consistently because not everyone is maturing, right? And so we, we want to be cognizant of that. John also said it's a way to respond to God's love for us. And you talked about this at the beginning when we started talking about how understanding God, remember God's grace for us, what he's shown us. So we look at someone who's wronged us. And the hard truth, hard for us to get our minds around, the hard truth is that no one in this world has ever wronged us as much as we've wronged God. And yet he pursued us and he met our needs and he sacrificed for us. The father sent his son to die for us. He sacrificed a lot while I was yet a sinner, while I was a rebel. So this person or these people that have harmed me and disappointed me, the, the harm is real and the disappointment is real. There's very real pain there. But I've grieved the father far more than they're grieving me. And he still went after me and loved me. So there's motivation there. It doesn't mean it's easy. It can be very, uh, well, it's a pride-killing mm -hmm. endeavor for mm -hmm. sure. 
John also said, it's a way to make visible the invisible God. We serve a God of grace and forgiveness and mercy and pursuit and all of those things. And so when we do that to people who love us back, wonderful, but to people who don't, even more so. We're making visible, being the hands and feet of Jesus and making him visible in this world. It's a way to confidently uh, face the coming judgment. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and how we love one another, including the unlovely people, uh, I'm confident will come up. So how will that day go for us? We want it to go well. And so loving one another is a way to do that. And then John said, finally, it's a way that we can show that we're a people of integrity. If we claim, and you and I do, and everyone listening to this does, basically, we we claim that we love God, but we don't love our brothers and sisters in Christ, including those who are hard cases, then we're being hypocrites. We're being inconsistent. And so, again, it's the loving unlovely people that's the hard application of this, I think. Loving people that love us back is relatively easy. It's rewarding. There's an immediate gratification. It's loving people who for years will not reciprocate. In fact, they will scorn our love. That becomes exhausting and frustrating. And uh, you almost want to throw your hands up in the air and say, okay, forget it. And I don't know if this is a bad, uh, kind of going back, but I think there's there's the people that are unlovely and that they're hard, like mm-hmm. almost like prickly, or that have like hurt us. But then there's also the people that are very needy and mm-hmm. could never reciprocate, not because they don't want to, but because they can't yeah. in the same way that, that we are. Like, and I'm thinking of maybe the elderly is like, they're just, they're not on a stage where they can serve us the same way that, that we ought to serve them more physically speaking because um they can bless us immensely with uh, their wisdom and um their prayer but right like um or it takes more to love them because you really have to slow down your life for example or i don't know if you can think of other examples of people that are just children children or special needs people that Mm. really require you to like to step away from like your high paced and like achieving life to to love them, to mm-hmm. go to their life, right? Um, so that's a different kind of, um, they're not the unlovely, they're just like, um, what would you call that? Just more needy, I suppose, is the only reason. Uh, yeah, I just see it as a, as a one direction a lot of times. Okay. You know, like we're, we're going to pour ourselves out and serve and love. And let's face it, even thinking of ways to love people can be exhausting sometimes. You're trying to, sometimes it comes naturally, but other times I need, I want to love this person. I got to think of a way to do that that would bless them. So there's just, but it's all one direction. Uh, you know, you think of, of children, for example, as, a, as an easy case study. We are going to love in one direction. <laughs> there are times that they may, you know, look up and smile at you and that warms your heart. But ultimately, they're not going to love back the same way. Right? That's why, you know, having kids is a whole nother level of potential selflessness than just being married. Marriage is, mm-hmm. but there's a reciprocation there, hopefully. Uh, with children, it's not. Not for, I mean, it might be a 20, 25 year, 30 year investment before it starts coming back. And so I think that that would just be, uh, I see it as a one direction. It's not, the reciprocation is motivating. You know, it helps me to love more because, and that's how it ideally should work. I love the body of Christ. They love me. And that motivates me to love the body of Christ. And we go back and forth. But sometimes you just hit a brick wall and it is a black hole of love. And you just keep, that doesn't relinquish us though Mm. from loving them. Again, we turn it back to the Lord. How has the Lord loved me? Did he love me? into a black hole? Did he throw his love into a black hole of me for a long time? And maybe sometimes still now? I think so. Like It's not, to think that I could pay him back for how he's loved me is is silly. Uh, and so with him being kind of our model, we turn horizontally to the people around us. 
Well, let's do some examples. You know, in your life, in my life, what have been some examples where you feel like brothers or sisters in Christ have come along and loved you well? Well, I can think of our time uh, in Saskatchewan. For many of that, a lot of that time, we didn't have any family, and um, people just invited us to be kind of part of the family. We had like pseudo aunts, uncles, grandparents. They would play with our kids, invite us um, to their house for meals. They would come visit us, and that was a huge blessing. I can think of yesterday. We had a couple come to our house, and they played Scrabble with our kids, which um, they which they initiated. It's like, oh, can we play a board game? Um, which was huge. Like having children, it's very special when people talk to them and um, ask them questions and play with them. Um, when people are gracious to me when I make mistakes, like, um, you know, I started out as a pastor's wife at like, I don't know, 24, 25, and people were just so gracious. Like, I'm sure I made so many mistakes just saying too many things. <laughs> And, and when people are gracious, forgiving, they give you the benefit of the doubt. They just give you room to grow in your faith. It's, it's so, such a blessing such a, to show you God's love. I don't know. You can maybe think of something maybe that will bring more Yeah, no. There's a, well, you brought up Saskatchewan. I remember when we were there and just got there. We had just started ministry. We didn't have a lot of money. And someone took uh, our children at the time and we went out for a night to a restaurant. And I remember getting up to pay. And not being, having been there a long time, we didn't know a lot of people. And we got up to pay and someone in the restaurant, unbeknownst to us, had paid our bill, seeing us and recognizing that. And it wasn't a huge bill, I remember. But to us at the time, it was more the, the gesture that they saw someone and they were going to anonymously just bless us in that way. I still carry that, that memory as very significant to me. The $45 or whatever it was, that is, it doesn't matter. That's besides the point. It was more the intentionality of that love. You are welcome here. We love you. We see you. And we want to meet your needs. Wonderful. At other churches where we were at together in the States, where we started serving, just the opportunities to serve that the church gave us and the people gave us the affirmation they gave us as a young couple. um, I look back at that very fondly. And again, these aren't dramatic things. Sometimes when we think we need to love one another, you have to be these big dramatic, Mm -hmm. you know, movements but it doesn't have to be sometimes it's just the simple stuff and i think you mentioned that earlier it's just the simple stuff it's paying attention and just a comment a uh, a hug uh, whatever the case may be just letting you know and oftentimes i don't know if you've experienced it it's the holy spirit prompting you to do these things it's not i'm planning to do these issues for these people it's in the presence of these people i feel led to uh to ask this question or feel led to pray for them here or for let and, and those can be very very meaningful I, I don't have a whole lot to compare it to, but I would just say, say that in the years that we've been together in church, we have been very blessed mm-hmm. by the love yes. of people in many, many different ways. Uh, the Lord's been very kind to us through his people. Yeah. Any other examples that you can think of, ways that we've been loved? Oh, there's just Or so you many. specifically. It doesn't have to be us together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so many. Um, that's the problem. There's so many. Um, and I might start crying if I start... <laughs> start saying that but something that i was thinking when when you were talking um and, and when i was thinking about this is that it's almost like a mindset it's part of your life where you're constantly thinking being open to being led by the spirit to say to say something to someone like i don't know if that makes sense like um it's just a way of life of like always always having like your antenna up to like mm, how can i 
see this person today, right? It's like seeing people and um, what they're going through and, and yeah. whatnot. There has to be a mindset shift when it comes to the church to have that preparedness that you're talking about, I think. We have for a long time shifted in our thinking, not our church family specifically, but in the broader evangelical North American 21st century mindset about the church to the ideal church is one that is very institutionalized. It is a machine that runs very well and it's very slick and very effective and efficient. We've shifted to that from the idea of it being a church family and a body. And if we go back to think of it as a family and a body, we care for ourselves. You know, in fact, in Ephesians 5, Paul will remind that husbands, they, they care for their own body. Of course, they're going to care for their own body. Why would you not care for your wife? It's your own body. Everyone cares for their own body. Well, how much more so in the church? If we think of our church family as our family, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ, then I think you're right. It's a mindset shift where we're open to thinking, okay, how can I meet the, the needs of my family knowing that in the back of my mind, I know that when I bless my family, it actually blesses me because I'm part of this family also and together we grow uh, so I totally agree. I think it's a mindset shift that uh, needs to take place where we invest in this place as a huge priority, not just because the Lord has told us so, but because it eventually blesses me, blesses my family. It's best for the propagation of the gospel, everything, mm -hmm. uh, when we invest in this place and the people God has given us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, last question as we wrap up here. What would, and this is a bit of, you know, we're going to use our sanctified imaginations here, <laughs> uh, but also a bit of scripture-informed imagination, hopefully. What would it look like? You just imagine. So what we just talked about there, imagine our local assembly that was just characterized by this type of love. And let's be very honest. We would, I think you and I would agree that Oak Ridge is strong in this area. There's always room for growth, but is it is strong, relatively speaking, to other churches, I think, that we've been a part of. But if we grew in this area and every member bought in to the thrust of first john chapter four and said no we need to lay down our lives to meet the needs of the other members of this body whether they've bothered us or not whether we're angry with them whether we know them well or not we are going to meet these needs in a way that costs us and we don't care because that's how god has loved us how would that change using our sanctified imaginations how would that change church life here i imagine almost like a snippet of heaven because it's like all the needs are met, right? And I also think of everyone just their faith faith strengthened because I'm sure everyone has experienced, you know, you're, you're going through something difficult and someone, I don't know, blesses you in some way and you're like, wow, God knew, God provided that like this, the Lord has used right now to encourage me. And your faith is just strengthened and, and bolstered and you're filled with joy. So if everyone is constantly like that, just seeing God meeting their need. And it, sometimes it's like a text, a hug, a smile. Right? It, it's, um, it's a reminder that God sees you and that he knows what you're going through. And he's providing something that day that, that you need to keep on going. So I would I just imagine a lot of joy, right? Because it doesn't change the circumstances. But when we see God, we're just filled with joy, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that just keeps us going. For sure. Yeah, I think as well. And it has to exist with what you just said. But there's going to be growth, spiritual mm -hmm. growth. There's just going to be. We major, again, sometimes on truth. We want to be 
doctrinally correct. We want to teach clearly the scriptures and amen and amen. But truth without love can be very legalistic and dogmatic and oftentimes abusive in its in the yoke it puts on people. We want to be a place that is so characterized by the love that you're describing, a glimpse of heaven, I like that, that as we grow and as we have this place where we know we are loved, it's when you know you are loved, you can take correction. It's hard to take correction when you don't feel loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's hard to be challenged when you don't have the safety net mm-hmm. of a loving family around you. But when you do have that, then you can be challenged. And we know that being challenged and being convicted and being uh, corrected is essential for growth in the body of Christ. We have to do that. But if you don't have love, it makes it very difficult. It also makes it very difficult, just a little besides the point or a little down the rabbit trail, but you think about church discipline, an extreme example. Ideally, you look at the texts, the relevant texts in scripture. Ideally, what church discipline does when you call someone out in sin and they, they don't respond and so you take it to the church, ideally that brother, that sister is restored to the body. And they are restored in fellowship and they come to repentance and the whole body grows without mistake. But what typically happens today is they take their ball and go home. You, you call them out for something and say, fine, we're going to a church down the street. And we have just undercut a huge growth opportunity in that moment when someone just leaves. It's hard. Church discipline, I get it. But when they just leave, it, it actually short circuits that whole endeavor. But if it's a place of love where you know I actually can be corrected, I can repent on a huge blunder and actually the place I'm going to go, like you think of a child that's disciplined. It's so funny with children. They get disciplined and then where do they go? They fall back into the person who just disciplined them for comfort. That's what we want in the church. I'm disciplined. It it bothers me. It hurts. But then I fall back into the place where I'm most loved and most protected. So I think that there's joy, like you said. There's a glimpse of heaven. But I think there's also a huge growth spiritually. And sanctification happens in a place where there is this type of one another divine love i hadn't thought about that that like your guard goes down right when when people love you even when you're unlovely all of a sudden you're like oh you become like a bit of a teddy where it's like and you're more open to correction you're more open to you yourself um showing forgiveness and changing right when you see um yeah it's something to strive for brothers and sisters i know you want that we want that the lord wants that for us he wants us to be an effective expression of his church and we want that as well and so we pray that this conversation has been helpful as we seek to apply the word rightly to our lives that we would become a people and a church that among other things love one another well until next time go with grace and peace thanks for listening to this week's podcast we hope you are encouraged and learned something new visit oakridgebiblechapel.org to listen to sermons and for more information